So this is our very first episode of A Parent's Journey Through Grief, One Day at a Time podcast. So I'm super excited. I have my sister in Christ, Perniki, on the line that's going to be sharing her story. So just to give you guys an overview of A Parent's Journey, One Day at a Time podcast, it is simply a safe place for parents who have lost their children to just come and share their journey. I know that everybody process is different. Everyone is not open to sharing their stories, but I know for myself, part of my healing process has definitely been sharing my story. And so I thought that create a safe haven for parents, because if you've never experienced it before, you cannot relate to it. So this is what a parent's journey through grief one day at a time podcast is all about and we are just going to have general conversation about how our grief process has been what are some coping mechanisms that have maybe helped us on our journey um we are still definitely in the healing process um i don't think that we can really put a timeline on um grief right because my son been gone five years and i know sis um son been gone a little longer than that but we're just going to have conversation and we're going to have real talk. I think that that's what um, we are missing in today's society. We have to be honest, transparent, because I believe that our transparency is going to help somebody else along their journey. So, hey, we are here. Hey, sis, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me on with you. This is going to be amazing and it's going to be such a blessing to so many people. Because it's a conversation that needs to be had, but it's not always comfortable to have. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some people ask for the conversation, but they don't create a comfortable environment for the conversation to be had. So I just believe that the parents or mates, because I've just been introduced to a wife that lost her husband. And I'm so used to saying moms that I got to get used to saying, you know, broadening. Right. But I just believe that the people that come in contact with you and are able to share their stories are going to get some release and they're going to get some support that they really need. Because it makes a difference when you're talking to somebody that really knows your pain. Mm -hmm. I totally agree, sis. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to just get right in and we're going to start with just a few questions. Again, this is not scripted. This is, and again, when it's Holy Spirit led, we just got to go for it, right? And so sis, if you don't mind, share, just share a little journey about BJ. Okay, so my son, his name is Fontaine, but we called him BJ. His name is Fontaine Sanders. Um, He was my only child. Uh, 19 at the time when it was happening, um, when his death happened, he was just completing his second year at Robert Morris University downtown Chicago and was just excited to be entering manhood. You know, he was about to take his first flight that day, didn't realize that where we was preparing for a physical flight that he was actually going to take his spiritual flight. Mm. And so um, he went to our neighborhood park a regular day to Mm -hmm. enjoy his friends and unfortunately didn't return at 19 years old four days before his 20th birthday um he was shot on april 10th he would have been 20 on april 15th and so it went from planning this week-long amazing birthday to planning his home going and I mean, you know, we some church girls, so we yeah. instantly go to what we know. And that's, that's right. God in prayer and faith. 
but that was the first time in my life that I felt like in the moment, mm-hmm. prayer and, and uh, faith and all that stuff didn't work. It didn't help mm-hmm. <laughs> in the moment. None of that, none of that felt good. I I didn't want to hear he's in a better place. I didn't want to hear God didn't make mistakes. I didn't want to hear none of that Mm because I walked in that hospital so confident because I just, I I didn't get to see him at the park where he was hit at. Mm -hmm. By the time they got me out the house, the MLMs was passing my block, taking him to the hospital. So I met him at the hospital and I was still so calm and, you know, just overconfident that, hey, this is a kid. I done prayed over, put oil on. He yeah. ain't, uh, ain't nothing wrong with him. He hitting the leg, the arm, whatever it is, it ain't not to death. That's right, sis. I just, I had that confidence until I walked in that room and saw my baby. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, God. Okay, what you doing now? Mm-hmm. And still had a, you know, I guess I was in, you know, how they tell us in the stages of grief uh-huh. that we have that denial um, stage. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was in denial at that point. Because even with the urgency of the nurses, you know, they were saying, wait, before y'all take him, let his mama talk to him. And I'm like, you know, where y'all going? What y'all doing? And all they said is just talk to your baby. And mm-hmm. I just believe they was giving me and him a last chance to hear my voice because he never said anything, but they were giving him a chance to hear my voice. Um, but still, I was just confident in Jesus. Hmm. I just still believe that my baby was coming back from this because of my relationship with God Hmm. and because of my faith in God. I just did not believe that was the end. Mm -hmm. And um, it actually was. The next day, they told me that for 24 hours, he hadn't had any brain activity so that they had to take him off the machine and whatever happened, happened. And I still believe God Mm -hmm. until the doctor took me in that room and showed me the uh, x-ray of his brain and told me that that one bullet had hit all four sides of his brain and he had just never seen anyone come back from that and mm. I'm like okay well you still ain't seen my God at work I'm still that's right <laughs> I'm still in my faith yeah and when I left out of there it was just like I had to accept and I remember getting angry at my pastor and mm-hmm. telling him like you always told me God wasn't going do anything like this without consulting us and he said no I never said he wouldn't consult you because he didn't consult us to bring us in this world and he got to consult us to take us out Mm -hmm. and so he began to try to explain to me what he had taught me over the years and it just didn't make sense it just Mm -hmm. didn't make sense and so it took days for me to like allow God to speak to me I didn't want to hear any of the spiritual encouragement things I just I just I didn't want to hear anything those first couple of days because yeah. it just didn't make sense. <laughs> wow. I, I Man, listen, I think that um, I can definitely relate to that. Um, just give you a little story about um, my son, Romaine Latrell Elkins. Oh, wow. So June 9th, 2017, um, Romaine was shot one time in the chest. Wow. Um, I got a phone call. I was uh, leaving work actually on my way to a church, a women's gathering at church in our Gary location. And I got off work. Um, Let me back up. At three, maybe 3.20 that day, Romaine called me. Mm-hmm. And he called and like, mom, I'm, I'm, my ID, um, I need a new ID. I was at my girlfriend's house and I lost my ID. And he was like, I was fighting with her baby daddy. And um, this is a transparent moment, guys. Never really shared the entire story, but I think it's going to help somebody. So he said that, mom, 
I need an ID. I lost my ID. I was fighting with my girlfriend, uh, baby daddy. And immediately I'm like, Romaine, Romaine, you can't be out here fighting, baby. You know, people not fighting fair anymore. They're shooting. They're killing. Mm -hmm. This is at 3.30. At 5.30, at 5 o'clock, actually, I got off work. I'm headed to pick up my cousin. I worked in Naperville. My cousin lived in Naperville. And so I was on my way to pick her up. And on my way to pick her up, I get a phone call from my middle son. Hey, mom, mom, they say Romaine just got shot. Now at 320, I spoke with Romaine and at five o'clock, I'm getting the phone call. And so when I got the phone call, he like, mom, I don't know. I'm like, where is an adult at? He's like, my dad went down there. And so our cousin got on the phone that worked in our barbershop. And so Romaine was uh, murdered right around a corner from my husband Barbara's shop. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Romaine got shot. And Ricky like, yeah, they say he got shot, but we're not sure what's going on. I said, okay, no problem. I'm on my way immediately. I hung up the phone and I began to pray, but I had this, I didn't have a worry spirit. Like I had a spirit that was so calm because I just knew when I got to wherever my baby was, he was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I had a, a assurance mm -hmm. and I'm talking about, I think I called my mom first and think I call my dad. Um, but I call my best friend and so happened. Now, nobody told me anything. They just said he got shot. They didn't say that you know, they took him to the hospital or anything. So I called my best friend, like, hey, best friend. They said that Romaine just got shot. I don't know. She was like, okay, where are they? I'm like, I'm not sure. And I don't know how we got on a conversation that they took him to Loyola. And she said that I'm on Roosevelt right now. And I said, okay, cool. She said, I'm going to go there. I said, well, you know, I'm leaving Naperville. Um, I'll be there now. Just get there to my baby best friend. And she's like, no problem. I will. Sis, when I got to the hospital, it was so many people there, right? And at this moment, I didn't have any social media. And I'm going to tell you the backstory of that as well, because God really do work. I get to the hospital. I'm just like, where my baby at? And they're like, oh, he in the back. They're working on him. But they put us in this room. It was me, uh, my husband, and his father that was in the room. And they put us in a room. And I'm like, okay, how many times did he get shot? Nobody knew anything. Nobody was telling me anything. But later on, my husband knew, but he just didn't know how to you know, tell me. But anyway... We at this hospital and again, I'm still super calm. I don't feel any um, pressure. I don't feel any worry. I don't feel any doubt. I'm just like, wow, my baby got shot. Mm -hmm. And so when the chaplain came into the room and said, the doctor came in and the chaplain came in, it's nothing that nothing, we couldn't do anything else. And I'm like, what? They like, it was a shot one time to the chest. And sis, immediately, I was just, in sh I was like, I froze. Cause I'm like, my baby, what do you mean you couldn't do anything? Exactly. Like my roommate? <laughs> so I, that moment for me, I never felt a moment like that before, mm -hmm. but I must be honest. Even in that moment, I heard a still voice and it was God saying that I got you. Mm -hmm. And so of course my natural, I began to weep. I began to cry, my baby my baby. But I remember over the years, I will say verbally to God, if something happened to my baby, I'll lose my mind. Yep. 
<laughs> but in that moment, even in that moment right there with the doctor, although I began to weep, I heard a still voice say that I got you. Mm. And so that's my, the, the beginning of that story there. And even until it's, it, it's been five years now that Romaine's been gone. And I must admit that God has truly had me. I don't want to super spiritualize everything in this because I know that everybody is not there spiritually. I'm very aware. And I know that it, um, you know, it get really hard. Have I had moments? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I had those moments of anxiety. I had those moments of, I never questioned God. But I definitely had questions for a guy. I definitely had some questions. And because, and and, and I think that this is going to help so many people because um, I'm not sure if your story is the same, but my son, Murder, was definitely gang affiliated. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely gang affiliated. Um, And I know even with starting this, I said that the transparency, we have to get there. We have to tell the story in its entirety in order to help somebody else, right? Um, I questioned like, man, where did I go wrong as a parent? Mm -hmm. And God reassured me and said, Rosetta, it's not that you went wrong. It's unfortunate. We all have a life journey and our life journey take us down different paths Mm -hmm. and some journeys parents can't save their children from and so I'm going to let you finish talking sis but I'm going to tell you even in that moment and that still when I heard the the voice of God say I got you I also heard him say I rescued him wow wow my God today and along the way God began to tell me Oh, he rescued him. He said, I rescued Romaine from himself. Mm-hmm. That was so hard to hear. Mm-hmm. But my baby was headed down a road of destruction mm-hmm. that it just wasn't good at all. Yeah. And I also know this for me, this is my story. Everybody's journey is different. Yeah. But God began to tell me, that if I did not rescue Romaine, he was headed down for such a destruction that so many other people would have been hurt along the journey. Mm -hmm. And so I began to understand and begin to look at like, wow, my baby, I knew who he was. Um, I knew that, you know how the young people say, we got to get our lick back and all of that Mm -hmm. terminology. So we just got to keep it real. I I knew that if Romaine would have survived, it would have been so reckless because of who he was. He was going to go back and he didn't care who was going to get hit. And God in heaven knew that I did. I didn't, I don't want, didn't want anybody else to go through the pain that I had just went through. Although my baby was taken away from me, I didn't want my son, the, the hands and my son to be, um, Take somebody else's life. You know, we just got to be honest. And so, for real, you, you know, it, it, it's just been, it's been a journey, but I'm telling you, some of the coping mechanisms that have really helped me is just sharing mm-hmm. great memories of him. And yeah. so, you know, some people will think, oh, you know, 
you know, that you're still hurting yourself sharing. Well, my coping mechanism is thinking about the amazing times that we've had. I had Romaine for 18 years and I'm not going to lie. I've had some ups, I had some downs, but all of those great memories definitely outweigh the pain. And so <laughs> me, sis, it, it, it's just been one of those moments. And, and, and talking about grief, right? I know that we know that it's stages of grief. And I've had moments where I was up, moments where I was down. And just recently, I really was able to acknowledge that I dealt with depression for five years mm-hmm. and didn't realize, I really didn't realize that it was depression. Honestly, sis, I thought that I was okay. I've been going, I've been still taking care of the house, still taking care of everybody else because everybody look at me as the strong one. So, you know, I had to put on my, my war clothes and just, you know, even in Romaine death, I didn't grieve properly in the beginning because I had to make sure that everything was done. I had to make sure that the business was taken care of. I had to make sure that my other children was okay. My husband, you know, Romain was raised by some amazing men. His his father, Derek, that's gone on to be with the Lord as well. He helped raise Romain for 18 years. Um, He was not his biological father. But when I came home from the hospital with that kid, he came over and said that, I don't care, this is my son. And so I'm very grateful for him and his family stepping in when they did not have to because he knew that Romaine wasn't his child because we had never had sex. And so um, Romaine, you know, he stepped in, took care of Romaine. My husband, I met my husband when Romaine was four years old and my husband stepped in, was a father. He did have a relationship with his biological father in his older age, which I was very grateful for. But one thing, and I'm going to let you talk. So it's one thing that I found out when I took Romaine to counseling, I took him to see a anger management counselor. I took him to see a psychiatrist as well, because I, I tried to figure out what was going on? When Romaine was about 14 years old, that's when I began to see a change in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began to see a change in uh, Romaine and I was like, what's going on? And one thing that the psychiatrist said in the anger management said to me was, Romaine was grieving the death of my grandmother Right. Because my grandmother and my grandpa, my grandparents raised me. Um, I was the age of six months when my father's parents um, got me. Uh, my mom allowed them to raise me, which I'm very grateful for. But the psychiatrist said Romaine is grieving the loss of his grandmother. And Romaine is also um, grieving abandonment from his biological father. And that was um, a hard truth that I had to handle. But I did everything in my wheel. I moved from out of the city, moved him into a better environment, Naperville, one of the best great school districts and everything. But it was unfortunate that although I did everything that I could as a mother, I could not fill the void of his biological father. My husband could not fill the void of his biological father. His dad, Derek, could not fill the void. And of course, me, parenting don't come with any um, instructions. So me, I'm like, he have my, not only do he have Derek, my husband, he have my father, who is a pastor. He have my cousins, my brothers. You you get what I'm saying? So he had amazing um, father figures, but he was missing a void. And unfortunately, 
nobody could feel their voices. And so I'm going to uh, finish the story a- a- along the way, but just give me, so so. Um, how long have it been since Fontaine passed away? It's been five years. It's been five years. His death actually happened that April of 2017. So um, it's, and you know what, just listening, I was like, wow, Romaine and Fontaine had so many similarities. <laughs> but just backing up, um, my the trauma for me with all this started two years prior. Because like you said, you know that his death was gang related. Our problem started in 2015 when my cousin Rock was killed. And um, I remember after Rock was killed in 2015, Fontaine went down because Rock was his cousin, but yeah, he was his big brother. He was his mentor. It's like he got to playing drums because he wanted to be like Rock. And so it was so much that happened when Rock was killed that shut him down. Um, I remember when it happened, it was his senior year of high school. He no longer wanted to do anything because he was like, Rock is not here. Rock was going to dress me for graduation. Rock was going to dress me for prom. He shut down. And I remember telling like my family, like, we know Rock's death because Rock was killed outside of my salon. Wow. And so that was a trauma that I had. I think God prepared me with Rock's death because I became like, the 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 bumper guards for my auntie um because I was the one who had to call and tell the family hey get to my shop rock's just been shot I was the one who had to go to her house because even after calling her she wouldn't come out I had to go there and get and take her to the hospital and it's like I told people I watched him come in the salon and just fall to his knees right in front of the clock and that image stuck in my head as if he was saying it's time you know, it just, I'm like, this is not happening. Like, I'm talking to him, trying to keep him alert and everything. And I could just see him looking at me and study looking up at that clock. And I'm like, don't look at the clock. Because in my head, I'm like, your time is not up. It's not. And he just like, he just surrendered. And I'm like, this is not happening. And I remember going in the bathroom, sitting on the floor, calling his big brother, calling my other cousin, telling them like, y'all got to get here. Like, I just left him out there. They working on him, but y'all got to get here. And like, nobody, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it, but because I was still believing God was going to bring him yeah. back. This yeah. is Rock. He's the sweetest kid in that family. You know, he he, he out here doing mm-hmm. what he do. He wasn't a street kid, but he was a DJ. So mm-hmm. he DJed all the hottest parties in the neighborhood. You know, he he was a handsome young man. So yes, he had girlfriends. And so, you know, he did, he knew a lot of people, but it was the neighborhood we grew up in. Um, the neighborhood we grew up in connected us to a lot of people that you know how to go in that neighborhood. You guilty by association. Come on, sis. So the fact that they were K-Town boys, whatever beat K-Town had, they had. Yeah. And because Rock was a hustler, he was going to DJ, he was going to take pictures. He felt like he could throw a party anywhere. Mm-hmm. And some places he went when they found out he was from K-Town, you know, they they thought, okay, well, if you want to throw your parties over here, you're going to pay us. Yeah. And he he just wasn't going. He's like, hey, I paid for this space. I ain't mm-hmm. paying y'all because mm-hmm. he didn't understand the language of the street. Yeah. You know, even though yeah. we were from K-Town, our kids didn't really understand street life. Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. just said, what now? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we went through that tragedy of losing Rock. And Rock's death, I feel like, was um, a continuation when my son was killed. 
because once he joined the basketball team at Robert Morris, um, it was in the neighborhood of the guys who killed Rock. And so one day as he was going to practice, he gets an inbox on Facebook saying, we know who you are. And he didn't show it to me. I didn't get to see this message until after his death and I got his phone. And I'm like, what was this about? And as people began to show me how to put the pieces together, I realized that these guys just felt like what was going on in our neighborhood and our boys being connected to these people, not like directly connected to the problem, but they were the family members of some guys they didn't like. They were the friends of some guys they didn't like. Mm -hmm. I even read one text when uh, they sent my baby and told them, uh, you trying to be about that life, you a ball player, get, get out the way, you know, so you knew he wasn't yeah. who you wanted, but yeah. yet you still came to a crowded park and shot and he's the one get hit in the head at wow. all places, that's why I tell people, I don't think it was a mistake because my son was shot in the head, Yeah, you know, I, I'm you're just not going to tell me you came out there and 30 people in the park and you got a direct angle at my baby head, no, that was personal, yeah, that was very personal. Yeah, that was intentional. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go to my grave believing it. And but it was just my son, he like you said, with your son, he began to have this anger. He began to have this anger. He began to get very rebellious. Um, I will always tell him, I don't want you hanging at that part. You know, even though you like to go play ball, I tried to take him. He played AAU ball. I, I would take him everywhere to keep him out the hood. But that was the neighborhood I grew up in and even though it had changed I felt like you ain't got to become your neighborhood I look at some of my family members and some of my friends we become some amazing things being born and raised right there in K-Town so I knew you could survive if you just didn't get involved mm -hmm. but what I do also understand is all of us are why you're different whereas I knew I was from K-Town I wasn't gonna let K-Town become me but he couldn't comprehend that. So whereas I tried to stir him in the right way, he still became too connected with the people of the area. And yeah. so again, he was guilty by association. And even like now I'm in court, it's been five years. Um, the, one of the young men made the statement. He said, I wasn't shooting at that little boy. He knew my son wasn't his target, but yet y'all still sent him a threat. And so all those things I live with, and that's what helped me to cope because I do understand, like you said, with the journey, with the journey, um, my son's life wasn't necessarily what I wrote. I still have my baby book where I wrote all these things I wanted to happen for him. And I did as many of them as I could. I took this boy to school, picked him up from school, took him to work, picked him up from work, everything to try to shelter him from what could happen in our communities and yet he still died the death I tried to save him from. Yeah, yeah. And I just then accepted that God's will is not ours. Yeah. And we can't alter God's will. I don't care how yeah. much church we put in, how much good community, um, you know, all the amazing things we can show them. Whatever God had written for their life is gonna play out. Yeah. And my uncle told me, he say, if if they had a revived BJ that day, BJ was going right back to that same park. He just got shot at. So, you know, we we can't try to rewrite this script. You can't say if you had to just get out the bed that morning because the morning he left home, I heard him. I heard his phone ring. Mm -hmm. I heard him talking to somebody. And normally I get up and get to question him, but I didn't. And this is the part right here. I got to share this. Yes. The Sunday before, because he was shot on a Monday. Mm 
that Sunday before he had come to church, we had had it out that weekend. Mm -hmm. I was fussing at him because he had missed a job interview and um, I was just mad at him. Mm -hmm. And so Saturday, he called me asking for some money. And I'm like, no, you had a job interview that you chose not to go to. So that's him. You don't want no money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he got to telling me how I'm just too hard on him and that wherever his life leads, I better be willing to accept the consequences of it. And I say I am because if you would have went to the job interview, you could have got the job. I could have got 20 from you. So, you know, I'm willing to accept the role mm -hmm. I played in all this. And so we had those words. Sunday, he was mad at me. He came to church late. He was at church drama. He came late. He had on some jeans. Looked like the jeans he had on the night before. Mm -hmm. And he had on a t-shirt. And I'm looking at him walking to church like he done lost his mind. <laughs> These jeans wrinkled. They hanging off his butt. And he got on his t-shirt. Yes. And so I'm mean mugging him as he walked up to the drum. And my uncle gave me the signal, like, leave him alone. He came to do his job. He played. At the end of service, he comes to the office to get his lit envelope. And he say, next Sunday, y'all going to need a drummer. I say, no, the next time you come in my church, you better have on decent clothes. Your pants better be pulled up. We just having these words. And he got his envelope. He got ready to walk out. So he said, as I said, next Sunday, y'all going to need a drummer. My and I'm just angry and mad at the fact you came to church like this, that I bypassed all those words, not knowing that in the next 24 hours, we really was going to need a drama because my baby was going to be shot. Mm -hmm. And so when that next day happened, that didn't even come to me. I remember um, hearing the ambulance go past my house, hearing the ambulance, hearing the fire truck getting up going to the window because whenever I would hear it, the fire station was right up the street from my house. I would always go and see which direction it's going in. And so I remember going to the window and seeing it going that way and beginning to pray. But I didn't call him this time because every time I would call him when I hear it, he'd be like, Mom, you jinx people. Why do you do that? And so I didn't call him. I went on about my way of getting in the shower or whatever, get a phone call and my god sister screaming. My, my nephew, my nephew, the police and I'm thinking, you know, he's at the park and something happened and the police got him. And so I'm like, okay, well, go with your nephew. Go see what's going on with him. By the time I get out the shower, get dressed, my uh, cousin, which is his godmother, she's at my door now. And she's hollering, my godson, my godson. I'm like, what? What? What'd he do? And she was like, he shot. So I said, okay, let me put my clothes on. I'm getting dressed. I called my uncle. So he answers the phone and I'm like, Hey, Rib, you at the church? He like, no. Nah. I said, okay. They say BJ just got shot at the park. He say, I know. I said, what you mean you know? He say, uh, they came to the church. Tony was there. I said, oh. And I instantly hang up because from the time my god sister came to my cousin came is about a 10, 15 minutes difference. Mm -hmm. So if you know, why haven't you called me to tell me my baby's been shot? So I'm now mad at my uncle. I hang up on him. So he calls me back. He say, where are you? I said, I'm leaving home. I'm by downstairs. She finna take me away yet. He said, okay, I'm leaving home till I meet you there. Stay on the phone with me. So even with him being how he was, it still didn't ding on me. I said, well, mm -hmm. I got a lot going on. I hung up again. I get in the car with her. The emblem is across from my block. We get to the hospital. And I'm just still calm, not realizing that this situation is worse than I thought. And I think about, you know, as we sat there and wait, his dad, um, he wasn't the best dad, but he was in his life. And so he was at the hospital quote scripts to me. Now, my son's father is not, even though he came to church, got baptized, he's not that type of guy. Mm -hmm. So for him to remember these scriptures in this time when I didn't even remember to pray, 
I, I'm supposed to be the one full of it. And I couldn't even think of a scripture nor a prayer. But yet, as I'm falling apart, he's telling me, and I'm telling him because he's a street guy, you better do something about this. You better call people. You better, and he's like, baby mama, we can't do that. We can't handle this like this. Business is the Lord. And I'm looking at him like, you have lost your man. <laughs> you better take care of this. You better make this right with the wrong kid. And he just would not. And then, it, like you spoke about how many people were at the hospital, it was so many people at the hospital. So they told me afterwards that they couldn't tell me that day my baby was gone because it was too many people and they did not want that uproar. And mm -hmm. he said, asked me like, who are all these people? How do he know all these people? And I'm like, this kid goes everywhere and play ball. My family is big. Your family is big. So he knows people and he just think he never thought that what went on in the street would affect him because he wasn't directly connected. He just thought he could be friends with everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And so it, it hurts me to my heart that he was blinded where, you know how we try to protect him from some lives. Mm -hmm. I just feel like maybe if I had a, allowed him to be exposed to it more, he would have been a little more street mm -hmm. smart to know, you know, if they at war, you got to separate from the people in your neighborhood. You can't still go play ball with them because, mm -hmm. you know, they live in two lives and mm -hmm. they live in a life they're not totally telling you about. Yeah. And so that hurt it that I didn't inform him. But then I have to remember this was already written. Whether you had informed him or not, God, God had this one. No, God didn't wake up today and say, oh, yeah. I'm going to take my time today. Mm -hmm. This had already been written. So had you did something different, this part right here was already mm -hmm. planned. Yeah, And that's a hard pill to swallow. And it's a hard thing to share with other moms because I I get it all the time. So you really want me to believe God wanted my son to die like this? No, he didn't want him to die like yeah. this. But, you know, this was just his will. Yeah. Yeah. His perfect will must be done since you said something so profound. So Romaine has, he's been, he was playing ball since he was literally five years old. I put that boy in every AAU. First of all, I was a teenage mom. Um, I got pregnant with Romaine at the age of 15. I actually had Romaine at the age of 15. He was born March 12, 1999, and I was going to become 16 on July 2nd, 1999. So first of all, parenting didn't come with any rule books, but it was something about when I got pregnant with that kid because I dealt with abandonment and rejection as well growing up because, again, um, my parents did not raise me my grandparents raised me. And so growing up, I had a lot of anger in me as well. Um, I will, um, I was so angry. I had a lot of rage, but nobody ever took the time to find out while I was angry. Right. But when I had Romaine, it was like a light bulb clicked in like, Hey, this life not about you anymore. And so it grew up, grew me up very fast. Um, but thank God for my grandparents. They, oh my God, I miss them so much. But they taught me so many values in life. They taught me, you know, how to be a young lady, how to be a mother. My grandmother was a mother of 12 and she raised some of her grandkids and she raised me from the age of six months. And and, and one thing that I know that about Romaine, again, when he was five, he was playing basketball. So, you know, we both have an annual basketball event for our boys because what I wanted to do, I wanted to remember my son in those 
good moments. He had a passion for football. I mean, for basketball. And one thing that I always say at the event is, I want to be able to keep his name alive and allow his story to help another young person. Because I do believe that if he didn't allow distractions of the world and the gangs and the friends to come in, I believe that my son could have been an NBA player, literally, because he was good at the game of basketball, but he allowed distractions and he allowed everything else, the outside noise to come in. Um, I, your story is so similar to mine because I grew up on Jackson and Cicero. And again, I was able to survive, right? But what I realized is times have changed so much that these kids, unfortunately, everybody not strong enough to survive exactly. in those environments. You know, uh, again, I've, I've always raised Romaine in the fear of God. Romaine loved God. Anytime that he was home, even in his rebellious stage, he will run away. But when he was home, he went to church every Sunday. That was fun. He would tell people, listen, even to this day, sis, he will tell people saying, Mom, Mama Ro, Romaine would tell anybody, ain't nobody too gangster for God. Hmm. No, you know, he, he will tell because one thing, that's one thing I, I thank God for it, that my grandparents raised us in the fear of the Lord. And again, not trying to be super deep and super spiritual, because I know that again, since I know I'm going to be talking to so many parents that don't probably even have a relationship with God, but that's okay. But it's my story. You know what I'm saying? It's my truth. And, and if I'm going to help someone along the way I have to tell my story and I have to tell my truth because we all have a different process but Romaine loved God and that's why my father baptized him and everything and people like well he was a game bag I still believe my baby is with the Lord exactly. because he confessed yeah. that Jesus is Lord he died for our sins let me tell you something you know, and so a lot of people like, man, you know, Romaine was, you know, in the streets. He was a part of it. He was. He was a part of a game. And since I'm going to be honest, the age of 14, all of this stuff happened and I was clueless. OK, my husband owned a barbershop on, on North Avenue um, and Central by, by Central. And Romain would go up to the barbershop, get his hair cut, play ball in the backyard and everything. Not knowing in the process, so my, my husband had uh, two older nephews, and Romain would always want to be around them, and um, Romain would go to the basket, you know, go and play basketball at the shop, because the shop was our, everybody's safe haven, you know, my mother-in-law had that shop uh, for 30 years, and, you know, my husband took it over um, years ago, but everybody would go to the barber shop, and Romaine had a curfew of seven o'clock. So at 13 years old, at 12 years old, Romaine would be in a house at seven o'clock like that. We was not going on that. But in the meantime, I'm not knowing that he's getting acquainted with this gang, yep. um, the mafia insanes, as they call them. I had no clue because my baby will come home every day um, on time. And I got to go back to this because this is the crazy part for me. And again, I know we're going to edit some of this stuff, but we got to be so transparent. I bought my first house, um, 1301 North Waller. It was Waller and Potomac. Okay. I bought my first house in 2010. I purchased my first house. 
2010. I had my son, my last son, Ryan, December 19, 2009. And we moved in our new home um, December, no, February 1st, 2010, right? Right there on Potomac, sis. I'm not knowing that off North Avenue and right there, these boys are into it. Okay. I'm not knowing we lived right on the corner. I thought that I was going to retire in my home, beautiful home and everything, sis. Okay. Romay was 14 years old and the people who murdered my baby, these were the boys off of this block. Wow. And I, I purchased this home, but again, sis, I'm not knowing no game, you know, mm-hmm. I'm home. We're not knowing any of this. Okay. And so we move on this block, maybe a year or two, remain mourning the, the lawn and two young boys walk past. Oh, you saying gang or something. They say something. And one of the little boys hit Romain while he mourned along. I didn't hear no commotion, hear nothing. Later on that day, Romain was so angry. And I didn't, again, I still didn't know what was going on, right? And next day he tell me, my, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand if I told you. And I'm like, what do you mean? I wouldn't understand, baby. What do you mean? No, you need to tell me what is going on. What's happening. Make a long story short, sis, not knowing that these was the the other gang that was in tour with the gang that Romain had got affiliated with, sis. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you for three years, I just will pray, but it was a moment that I saw God gave me a vision, literally, that if you do not move, you're going to walk out your back door and find Romaine at that door. Sis, I told my husband, I put my house on the market. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't know where we were going to go. Within two weeks, the house sold. Wow. I had a closing date and didn't have a place to live. Wow. Because God had showed me a vision. If I, and again, still not knowing the in-depth of all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. how, you know, acquainted Romain is with the game, how, you know, affiliated he was, still not knowing, sis. I knew it was God because in two weeks of putting the house on the market, is so, and I moved to Naperville. And even when I moved to Naperville, I began to tell Romaine, baby, I have to, as a parent, I have to get you out of this environment mm-hmm. because you're not strong enough to survive it, right? And so even in that process is we moved to Naperville, Romaine could not stay from in the city. I did everything possible. Do you hear me, sis? That boy will get on the Metro train. Do you hear me? Yeah. But I will get his, I remain, because I was the parent that did it. You couldn't get re- awarded. You couldn't have phones. You couldn't get gym shoes and all that when you rebellious and disobedient. Yeah. So he didn't have a phone, but he used to use our tablet in the house. And one thing that I found when I was searching the tablet, sis, I was searching the tablet and Romaine will be inboxing his friends from the city. And he will say to them, I moved, but man, bro, I'll be back. I'm coming back. And so some people will hear me say that loyalty got my son killed because I will tell him, Romaine, your parents was in a position to get you out. And if these are your true friends, baby, what you do is 
you come out and you get help and then you can go reach back and get them because I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, that, you know, they're not your real friends. I'm not, no, 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 no. Because again, everybody relationships are different. And I I realized that you develop these relationships, these young men, but baby, I got you out. Come on. What you do is you come in, get you a job, finish school and, you know, do these different things. And when you're able to be strong enough, you go back and you, you reach back because right. you know, I taught him loyalty. You reach back. But right now, son, this way is not the way. And so he will be in his inboxes and, 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 and a few of the young boys will be like, man, bro. So you just not going to come back. You, 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 you know, we got the ops, you know, this, this terminology says, you know, the ops out here, you're just not going to come back. And that right there drove Romaine. He said, mama, you would never understand. I got to be loyalty to my bros. <laughs> and I would ask so much alike. <laughs> I would ask the question, what about your loyalty to your little brothers that's looking up to you? Yes. Yes. What about your loyalty to your mother? Because yes. if something happens to you, kid, I will lose my mind. Yes, yes, yes. They so were I, so much alike. So, so much alike. Oh yeah, my God. I had so, that moment. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And again, I know that because we can talk all night. You yeah. know what I'm saying, sis? And I know we're going to have to come back and do a part two of this. But again, I wanted to set the, the foundation and I wanted you to be my first guest because I knew that we had so many similarities. Yeah. And I know that we connected spiritually as well, you know? Um, Although, you know, we know God, we love God, that does not take away of the pain. Exactly. You know? Because that was that was your only ch- only child. And Romaine was my first child. And even though it's even today, since I made the shirt, it says, let's heal together, because mm-hmm. that's the slogan of the podcast. That's the okay. slogan of our conversation. Okay. Let's heal together because I believe that um, my father always said at, at one of our church models was each one reach one and then each one teach one. And I believe that if we as parents and not just women, I, I, I reached out to Romaine, biological father, and I said, hey, I'm starting a journey. Um, and the way I got to this journey because I came out of depression and I've forgiven the people who killed my baby. Yeah. And so that's how this whole journey of even podcasting started, because God said that um, you your testimony is going to help somebody else. And so I reached out to him and I said that, listen, you know, I, I finally come to this place out of five years that after five years that I for I truly forgiving the people who killed my baby, although I still don't know to this day who it was, but I forgiven them because I realized that. Me holding the unforgiveness in my heart, it was, that's how the depression, that's how the anxiety set up. That's how the, I was stagnant. I I was, you know, still moving and doing my everyday thing, going to church, you know, doing ministry, being a mother, but I was still stagnant, sister. I was not working to my full potential because I knew that I, this depression, I had to really, and, and God said that the forgiveness is not for them, role. It's really for you. And that's, that happened a few months ago for me, sis. And so that's how I was able to come up and God said, create the podcast, create a safe environment for parents to come and tell their story. And that's exactly what we're doing tonight. We're just telling our story. And I know that we're going to have a part two because we have a long story, you know? Yeah. 
And, and, so, just to um, add, I'm sorry, just to add what you said about the, uh, you don't want to spiritualize this. Um, we have to tell it from our perspective because some people think that because we have a relationship with God, we exempt from those type of things happening to us. I remember it's five years, April will be sixth. I was just able to tell my pastor, which is like my dad, how embarrassed I was when my baby was killed that I'm around here talking about God. I'm, I'm living in relationships because you don't want to get with God and then my son get killed. And, you know, how am I going to go back and continue to talk God when God didn't spare my child? And, you know, and he told me, he said, you had you had nothing to be embarrassed stuff. He said it rains on the just as well as the unjust. And he was like, our relationship with God doesn't exempt us from these things happening. And he began to take me to the Bible and show me different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I say, but it was still hard. And how you mentioned the depression. A lot of times people think when we in church that we don't go through the depression. And mm -hmm. I did. And I'm still there. Yeah. And it's like, I reach out. I'm like you, everybody. I'm the go-to. I'm just now not being the go-to because I've learned how to preserve myself. Moses. I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to, you know, take my hands off some stuff and let some other people do it. Because while I was um, while I was saving people, I was sinking. Mm -hmm. And when nobody trying to rescue me. Mm -hmm. So I had to get to the place where I had to make a conscious decision that if you really going to live out the call that God has on your life, you're going to have to shut some people down. And that's what I began to do. I began to shut some people down so that I can live out the call God had on my life. And that's how I came up with my support group. That's how I'm able to do the basketball game. The basketball game that I do on Anna Fontaine, it's at the park where his life was taken. Wow. And I remember going back to that park um, with a production company that wanted to know about his story. And the guy asked me, he said, your son was killed here. Why did you come back here? Why, why is it so easy for you to come here? I said, because he lived more days here than he died. He died one day here, but he lived so many. So wow. I'm not giving the devil that type of victory. I'm coming back to let the devil know that the life of BJ will live on at this part. People not going to come here and remember this, the place he died. They're going to remember this, the place he lived. Come so on, whenever, whenever I go there, somebody always run. That's why I put BJ mom on everything. Because when I go back to the park, it's always somebody saying, hey, BJ mom. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to know my name no more. My name BJ mom. <laughs> That's right, sis. That's right. And so that's why I go back to that part to let people know this is the place BJ lived. BJ died in the arms of the Lord. He he didn't die here. He lived here. And so we go back to face that to let the devil know you didn't take his life. God just came back for his life. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes as women of God and just people as God in general, we think we got to keep that spiritual face on. He told yeah. us in his weakness, in our weakness, he's strong. That's right. So sir. I had to begin to show them my weak. I had to begin to tell them from day one, I had the forgiving spirit, but I want to answer. That's right. I don't, I don't mind you attacking me if I did something to you, but I know my baby. And I began to ask people, what did, what was he doing up here at this part? And mm. one guy told me, he said, I'm going to be real to you. The worst thing I can say BJ did to me is he stole my iPhone charger. You know how odd it is to find a good <laughs> iPhone charger? <laughs> 
I'm like, no, I don't know. I got Android. But I, I just began to search people and it, it was nothing really bad they could say yeah. about my son. I mean, the ladies yeah. in the park would say, well, you know, your son had a mouth. Mm-hmm. And all I could say is, well, you know who his parents are. That's <laughs> so, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he wasn't a perfect kid, but he wasn't a menace to society. Right. So it was like his death put an anger in me that you could have whooped my son. You probably could have even shot him. But you didn't have to shoot him in his head because I felt like you were trying to execute my son and that just didn't go with the life he was living. And so that's the part that put me in a place with God where I needed answers. You know, and I was so glad my pastor told me, uh, I'm like, well, people say you're not supposed to question God. He said, well, how are you going to get clarity if you don't question? Mm-hmm. He said, he he don't matter. You question him. He just don't want you to doubt him. You That's can ask him all the questions you want to. Mm-hmm. And so I began to ask God questions about why did this happen? And yeah. he told me when he don't answer your why. You stop asking them why you go back and tell them, what do I do now? That's right. You That's right. Ask why about why Fontaine was killed. You go back and say, God, what do I do now? And yeah. then I did that. And he began to show me. He told me, you become the light for those other families that's not going to mm-hmm. know how to get to me that's after right, they suffer for this tragedy. You become that light for that person that's going to want to turn away from me. Mm-hmm. I have people now, I walked in one girl funeral, uh, her son's funeral, and this was her second child. And I was studying trying to get her attention. Her daughter was telling her I was there. She said, I don't want to talk to her right now. I'm on my second son. I'm going to be here. I don't want to hear nothing she got to say. Mm-hmm. And I was so hurt. And it, it took a year later for her to tell me. She said, I just couldn't believe God was all those things you said he was and yet yeah. here I was going to be a second child Yeah, and I was like well I'm glad we're at the place where we can talk and I said if you just remember some of the things I sent you you're going to see that his grace is sufficient his grace don't stop at us losing one child his mm-hmm. grace is good through however many people we got to bear or whatever we got to go through and so I kept telling my spiritual story mm-hmm. even when they didn't want to hear it because mm-hmm. at the root of all this people want to know how we survive how we so strong. Yeah. We ain't strong. We mm-hmm. weak as never. But when you it's see God. Me, you see my God. That's right. So, so. if you want to know how to do this thing like I'm doing, you got to connect to my God. If you want to know yes. how to come out your depression, you got to connect to the God you see in me because that's what you're seeing. Yes. And we got to continue to tell it from that perspective mm-hmm. because I, I know people like to separate the two, mm-hmm. but you can't. It's, it's no impossible. Way. It's, it's impossible. impossible. Yeah. I, I see so many therapists and counselors. I, I, I got two support groups to attend this week. Yeah. And, and through all of that, if I still didn't make my relationship with God with it, none of those principles will, will work. Only reason they work is because I stay connected to God. So we have to continue to let people know you're going to grieve. You're going to mourn. You the, the, That stage is a grief. You're going to go through them and come back to them. Yeah. But you gotta remember that God's grace is sufficient. You can't forget that He can He 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 gonna hold us through this. He gonna keep us through this. Yeah. And we gotta tell it from that perspective if we truly gonna be light in this darkness because it's not letting up. It's, it's not, like letting up. not letting up. I, I sometimes feel bad you know, we're coming on every Thursday. And I'd be like, man, we study praying every Thursday and every week I'm getting a new text saying, pray for this family, they lost a kid. And I remember one day getting overwhelmed and saying, I'm not going on today. Mm-hmm. And not coming on, people start inboxing me. Hey, we on your page, what's wrong? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to go laugh, but I ain't got nothing to say. And I think that was one of the most powerful nights we had on that Thursday night prayer because I didn't have anything to say, but God had a lot to say to the people. Yes, and so even in that grief, when we shut down, we got to stay yielded for God to speak through us and work through us. Yes. Sometimes he ain't going to have enough for us to say, but our presence going to make the difference. 
My family fussed at me a lot. Stop showing up to people's stuff and all that. You ain't no chaplain. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, but I'm a witness that they can come through this. That's right. I'm sir. an example that, you know, like you mentioned about losing your man. I remember months after Fontaine's death, I kept asking God, why haven't I lost my man yet? Why am I still saying? I, I, I said if something happened to him, I would go crazy. Why hasn't it happened? And he was like, I still got purpose for you. Mm. I still got an assignment for you. Your life didn't end that day. Mm -mm. I still got work for you to do. And I'm like, I don't want to do the work. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to give you time to get up, but you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And he it is five going on six years later, and I'm doing it. And sometimes I'll be like, how? Yeah. How? And that's when I know that it's not, it's not my will. It's not my choice. It's his. Right. That's it right. is. And that's what we got to do on this journey. It's just let God lead us. Yes. Just let him lead us. I, I would love to go back to the salon to be the hairstylist I was before this. But it's it's a it's a new, as they say, your new normal. Your new normal. Yeah. I get more joy out of platforms like this than behind that chair. And they be like, well, that don't pay. You better get it together over here. But God ain't let me miss the meal. Mm -hmm. He done put me mm -hmm. in a house that's twice the amount that I was before all this happened. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm good because I'm obeying him now. And yeah. that was one of the key things that I wanted to share, um, that even in our grief, we got to obey God. Because sometimes when we grieve in the morning, we think we get a hall pass to not hear God, not to obey God. not No, no, no. Our grief and everything got to draw us closer to him. It's got to yeah. make us trust him and obey him more. Because he's the only one really going to comfort us. Yes, us. So I, I mean, this this is amazing. I don't know if I stayed on task or what she was looking. Oh no, for. you stay. Listen, let me tell you something, sis. <laughs> you stay so on task because, like I told you, I think that sometimes we want everything to be all you know perfect and out. No, God told me. He said you have to create a safe place. And mm -hmm. sometimes you telling your story is going to most times it's going to help somebody else because somebody is going through that. This this conversation that we have is it's for the mother that probably didn't even lose a child yet, but mm -hmm. going through because I think that most times you know we want to put on safe face. But God said that it ain't no saving face. You have to tell your truth. You have to tell your transparent. You have to be transparent about the journey. Yes, no, your son wasn't perfect. Yes, your son got in dealing with gangs and you, you get what I'm saying? Like that is his, that's, that's our truth, sis. I can't, you know, hear lying to the people trying to act like Romaine was, you know, not affiliated with gangs and all that. No, it, it was true. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I was a bad parent either because I was a very present parent. I did everything that I could do. And God said that, listen, he was, listen, I gave him to you temporarily anyway. Yep. My child. Exactly. Yep. And so, you know what, since you stayed on task, girl, we can talk <laughs> all day long, sis, but yeah. I just do believe that our stories will be able to help somebody. Yes. And again, I know we got so much more to talk about, but we'll come back for part two with me and my sis. Yes. Yes. Um, I just thank you for your openness. I thank you for your transparency. I do believe that um, we're going to heal together. Yeah, I believe yeah. we're going to trust our process yeah. because everybody process is different. I thank God that we do have God to lean on. And mm -hmm. so I pray that this message that me and you are speaking about today will help somebody else that may not know God. 
may not be like, man, why can I do this to me? He left me, but he's the same God that did it for me and uses. He's the same God that can do it for them, but they have to be open. They have to be willing. They have to be acceptance because he will definitely keep us in perfect peace. If we keep our minds stayed on him. I love you today. Before we go, I want you to share um, about hugs and how people can um, contact and connect with you because you have an amazing um, organization going on. Just share that a little bit before we go, sis. Uh, HUGS, H-U-G, it stands for Help Understanding Grief. It is a spiritual-based support group for families that's been affected by gun violence and reckless homicide. We meet every Thursday online for Thursday Night Prayer with HUGS on our R&B Justice HUGS Facebook page, and we meet in person every third Thursday of the month in the Fellowship Hall of my church, 1457 South Kenneth Avenue, the Grace Memorial Missionary Baptist Church. And you can reach us either through our Facebook page or um, our email. Our email is r.bjusticehugs at gmail.com. And we just encouraging each other through our experiences and through the word of God. You know, every as our motto at Hugs is everybody grieves differently, but nobody has to grieve alone. This is a journey you cannot take by yourself. If you're going to heal and heal property, you got to link to God and somebody else that know your journey. And so we come together with hooks to just help each other heal at our own pace and in our own way, but together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank yeah. you again, sis. I love Thank you so much. Thank you I for sharing. Um, I know that we're going to get back together again very soon. Um, I'm trying to do the podcast like maybe once a week or uh, bi-weekly. I just do believe that is so many parents that's going to be able to get um everything that they need on their journey yeah. with this grief. So I thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. You have an amazing night. You and too. I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you again for sharing. Thank I love you. It. And I'm so glad you answered the call because it's many platforms that's doing this stuff, but it's still not enough. So that's thank right. you for answering the call. And so many families are going to be blessed by this platform. Yes, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening in on our very first episode, Parents Journey Through Grief, One Day at a Time podcast. And we will be back soon. Thank you guys. Good night.